Hey, this is Mark with A Present Word, where scripture is shared with insightful and practical applications for you today. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1. The Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Verse 9. Heal the sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Verse 17. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I gave you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I will stop reading there for a minute. The Lord told his disciples, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. The lamb is a quiet, sensitive, harmless, gentle creature. The wolf is very different. They like to kill sheep. A wolf has been known to kill an entire sheep herd without eating them, demonstrating they're very fierce and opportunistic. So who are the wolves he was referring to? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus speaking, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, They are ferocious wolves. Jesus is telling them these false prophets are pretending to be something they're not. They're impersonating sheep, but they're actually wolves in disguise. In Acts chapter 20, verse 29, the apostles said, For I know after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. This was said to the elders of Ephesus during his farewell address. Ephesus was the spiritual church, the crown jewel of churches in Asia. Timothy was the overseer of Ephesus. Priscilla and Aquila were members of this church, Paul's faithful traveling companions. This should tell us the more effective a church is for the Lord as Ephesus was, the more determined Satan is to infiltrate and attempt to stop its progress before it destroys his kingdom rule in that region. Paul goes on to say in the next verse, From among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Apparently, evil spirits found access points, causing some people to manifest like wolves to separate the flock of God by drawing the disciples away after themselves. So we now know Jesus was referring to people when he said, I send you out among wolves. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 12, Paul also said, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Paul uses the term wrestle 
in this verse, which involves very close contact with your opponent. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's an interesting statement by Paul. In Luke chapter 24, verse 9, Jesus told his disciples, A spirit does not have flesh and bones, indicating a spirit is invisible in the physical material realm. So we are wrestling with invisible spirits, demonic powers of darkness, attempting to control and influence people to serve the kingdom of darkness. Most often, people being influenced by these spirits are completely unaware they are being deceived to serve a different master. Here's an example, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, when Peter rebukes the Lord. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter was speaking the words, This shall not happen to you, Lord. They were coming out of his mouth, but they were not his words. He was being influenced by Satan to speak these words, attempting to redirect Jesus from his Father's plan and purpose. Satan had his own plan and purpose for Jesus, and it didn't include him going to Jerusalem. Satan's plan was to somehow trip him up so he couldn't complete God's mission and ultimately persuade Jesus to worship and serve him. Satan craves worship. He always wants the preeminence. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, The devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So back to Matthew 16, Jesus, looking at Peter, told Satan, Get behind me, you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You may have experienced this when people start talking to you. The words are coming out of their mouth, but in reality, it's an evil influence speaking through people, attempting to redirect you from the will of God for your life. Often these words are wrapped in flattery or personal concern, like Peter said. This shouldn't be happening to you. Jesus told Satan, you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now this is a clue, the things of men such as the cares of this world, the pursuit of riches, these will choke the word and our life will become unfruitful. Words and thoughts from the evil one, Satan, are actually fiery darts of deception. We need to be discerning of spirits and prepare to use our shield of faith to prevent these darts from hitting us in our heart, our thought life, and emotions. If Satan is successful with his fiery darts of deception— Eventually, we end up doing His will, thinking we're serving God. It will then become very difficult to seek things above and seek first the kingdom of His righteousness. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus emphasized, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
If you vacillate in making your choice, the devil will make it for you. He will creep in and kill your spiritual progress, drag you back into darkness, or should I say, the wolf's den, and there slowly kill you. James chapter 1 verse 7, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. Even in the days of Elijah, he was dealing with a double-minded Israel. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 20. So King Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Then Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. The Holy Spirit is ready, willing, and able to transform any Christian who desires to be changed into the image of Christ, to manifest the nature of Christ, like a lamb, as an effective representative of the kingdom of heaven. In like manner, evil spirits are also ready, willing, and able to conform their followers to the image of Satan, to manifest his nature as wolves representing the kingdom of darkness. In other words, we have two spiritual kingdoms battling it out on earth, recruiting and equipping their representatives to fight this spiritual battle. When the 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name, the disciples were acting as his representatives, manifesting the kingdom of heaven by driving out the demons. Jesus told his disciples, I gave you the authority to trample the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. His disciples understood serpents and scorpions are dangerous and need to be avoided. But in this case, Jesus is telling them, I'm giving you authority to trample them. So what is Jesus referring to? It's not physical scorpions and poisonous snakes. You do need to avoid those. He's speaking about evil spirits and wicked entities manifesting through people in the physical material realm. The Lord is letting the disciples know in advance, when you arrive, demonic spirits will be waiting for you and you can't afford to be unaware or unprepared. He said, I give you authority to trample them. He's not implying to physically trample people. It's a metaphor for putting these spirits under their feet so they won't influence them away from God's purpose in sending them. Jesus is saying to them, you are my representatives of my kingdom. Trample them under your feet. I give you the authority. My name is your authority to accomplish this victory. We are told not to rejoice that the spirits are subject to us, but to rejoice because our names are written in heaven. Well, it's hard not to rejoice when you finally get the enemy under your feet. We must remember this victory is only possible through the Lord Jesus and not ourselves. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It wasn't physical lightning we see on earth Jesus was referring to. He used the term like lightning as a comparison or an image to communicate to his disciples what he was seeing in the spirit while they were trampling the enemy in the cities he sent them to. The disciples were cleaning up the town from demonic spirits in preparation for his arrival, and simultaneously Satan was being displaced. 
he was falling from heaven. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the Amplified Version, the reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo and to destroy the works of the devil. So we all find ourselves involved in this great heavenly conflict, whether we like it or not. We were born into it, and it rages on. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight, wage the good warfare. Paul himself told the Corinthians, I fought brute beasts in Ephesus. He also said, a great and effectual door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. It's 1 Corinthians 16.9. When Paul walked through that door into Macedonia, there were many adversaries waiting on the other side to oppose him from preaching the gospel. It's not flesh and blood that was opposing him. It's evil spirits working through the people. We all want open doors, but open doors often come with adversaries waiting to oppose us from fulfilling God's purpose. The kingdom of darkness is not going to idly stand by and let us knock them out of their place without a fight. Whenever a person is considering surrendering their life to Christ, there is a battle that rages around them. The angels of God are fighting and pushing out Satan's angels making room for the opportunity for that individual to believe the gospel and to receive Christ by faith as their Lord and Savior. In Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus speaking, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Well, you may be thinking by now, Mark, what's your point? Why are you going through all this people are wolves, Satan falling from heaven stuff. I just wanted to listen to a nice, positive, encouraging podcast on my way to work. But this is why I'm sharing all this. When we preach a salvation message, or when we hear the gospel as believers sitting in a church or a home group, or wherever we're listening to the Word of God, even a podcast, the Lord is present. He told us, I am in your midst. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. However, we cannot be oblivious to the reality that evil spirits actually do exist, and they're operating in the invisible spiritual realm also, attempting to interfere with what the Lord wants to do by hindering the people from experiencing the freedom and to understand the gospel message, the ever-increasing glory of Christ. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. When Jesus saw Satan falling, it was directly related to what the disciples were doing in every city and place he was about to visit. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus speaking, If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how could one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? 
unless he first binds the strong man, then he will plunder his house. As the disciples were driving out the demons in his name, Satan's house was being plundered of his goods, causing him to fall from heaven. At the same time, the people in those cities were experiencing freedom from his evil grip to understand the glorious gospel. Satan is the strong man. So what were his goods being plundered from his house by the disciples? People. It's always people. Ephesians 1 verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? We are Jesus' inheritance. The disciples were in fact gathering up the Lord's riches, his people, who Satan had been keeping captive in his prison house. The victory was being accomplished through his disciples plundering the strong man's house. Jesus rejoiced to see that day finally come. That was new. This had never happened before on such a large scale. Yes, Jesus rebuked demons, commanding them to come out quite often, but no one else could do it like he could. No one else had such power. He had the power, and he gave that power and authority to his disciples to go and remove demons from every city he was about to visit. Jesus knew after his resurrection, the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, this would begin the eventual downfall of the kingdom of darkness. His church would now become activated to take their rightful place on earth so he would receive his inheritance in the saints. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This unfolding wisdom of God is us, the church, making known to the principalities and the powers in heaven that their day of running the show terrorizing people with fear, distress, sickness, and demon possession or oppression is coming to an end. All that Christ accomplished on the cross, resurrection, sending the Holy Spirit in his name, and his church now activated, Jesus knew this would eventually be the final nail in Satan's coffin. Satan has been holding captives who belong to the Lord for far too long, and he wants us to get them back. That's the big picture. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus speaking, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. These greater works are now being accomplished by those who believe in him on a global scale. His glorious church is going up and Satan's coming down because there's no more place found for them in heaven. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. 
So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. That's why the world around us is turning upside down and falling into total darkness and confusion. The devil and his angels are coming down. In Mark chapter 7, verse 27, For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Phoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. She answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Jesus confirms in this story that deliverance from demonic activity is the children's bread. It's our bread. I'm not suggesting we start holding deliverance services. Did you notice Jesus didn't follow the mother home to pray for the girl? The mother kept asking Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. She kept asking. What I'm sharing happens primarily through prayer or persistent asking. Ask and you shall receive. In James chapter 5, verse 16, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous accomplishes much. Personally, we have seen and experienced answered prayer over the years, having never left our prayer room. Jesus said to the woman in Matthew's version of the same event, it is done according to your faith. This kind of prayer works whether the person is in front of you, across town, in another state, or on the other side of the world. Distance should not hinder our faith. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. But for us to participate in this epic battle, our lives need to be purged and cleansed from anything connected to the strong man's house. The untethering process from Satan's influence is too deep a subject to cover in this podcast. If you're interested, I suggest reading 1 John chapter 1 and 2, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. These verses will give you a helpful insight how to prepare yourself to stand in the battle. The Lord is looking for willing volunteers to join Him in this spiritual conflict. In closing, Ephesians 6, written by Paul, who was a champion in spiritual warfare, teaches us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 
having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Paul tells us in these verses what's required to stand and fight. If you're going to join the fight against the kingdom of darkness, these weapons listed in chapter 6 are essential to overcome the evil one and bring the riches, his saints, home for Jesus. Before Jesus ascended back to his father, he said, Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I hope this message was helpful to you today. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, click the follow or subscribe button. Donations to A Present Word in any amount are greatly appreciated. Just click the support link or the heart button if you're on our website. To contact me, the email is apresentword at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.